beep, 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 beep. Hello, Internet. We interrupt your daily boredom for this very important podcast. This is Often Overlooked, a show where your ironically emo Slytherin kids tell you all the things that our friends and family don't want to hear us talk about anymore. The movies, books, comics, video games, and so on. All of our favorite things. This week, we're talking about hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. All those things that, you know, we think are the, the greatest or have a lot of uh, value, but just kind of fly under the radar way too often. So I think we're all going to kind of pick a topic or not not necessarily a topic, but a, uh, a media type and just roll with that and just make our recommendations. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Cool. Who wants to start? You want to start with books? Comics, let's let's start with TV. Jeffrey. What I you would got, man? be more than happy to. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I'm going to start with uh, my hidden gem of the week and oh, not of the week sorry, of the episode. Um, really quickly, I don't want to get like all Webster's dictionary, but I found this interesting thing: um, hidden gems, an idiom which means something which is extremely outstanding and not many people know about. Um, and like Alex yep. was saying, it's just really cool to think about that. Like, you know, in all the media that we intake. There's so much that we can't get to, and there's so many yeah. things that other people would probably love but just have never heard of. And so I think yeah. it's cool that you know to do this and that is outstanding, and not a lot of people know yeah. about. Yeah, like and you our, are our audience like, with uh, like our podcast, exactly. our podcast <laughs> of, of stout hearts and like minds <laughs> might find entertaining, uh, since we uh, individually at, yeah. at some point have found each one of the things that are about to be mentioned entertaining Definitely. or yeah. or some sort of downright you know, necessary consumption. Yeah. 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 I mean, even if you have heard of some of these things, you know, we hope that there's at least one thing that, you know, you pick up and you think is awesome mm-hmm. and that you roll with. So, yeah. Um, the first one I'm going to do, uh, is a comic book actually. Um, anyone that knows me knows that I absolutely love comic books. I always have since I was a little kid. Um, you know, it was a lot of Marvel, a lot of DC and you know, all these, you know, superheroes and, my uh, my comic book loves have changed a lot over the years and have become a lot more focused. And um, the one that I would say kind of flat out is my all-time favorite comic book is definitely a hidden gem, and that's called Mouse Guard. Um, I know I have talked about this a lot to Seth, and he yes. has heard me ramble on about it. And it's amazing. A hundred percent. So I don't know if – have you ever heard about it, Alex? I've, I've heard about it. I haven't okay. read any – so I'm interested to, so, to dive in. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing, like 100%. If you have not checked it out, definitely do. Um, Mouse Guard is a comic series by David Peterson. Um, just really briefly, here's a nice little summary. Um, Mouse Guard is set in a world of sentient mice who live in a medieval era, paralleling the same age in human history. Um, though in this world, there's no humans. Um, and so what makes it so fascinating and so cool is... The story is very much like a medieval epic. You know, there's the mouse guard, which are, you know, these guard mice with, you know, little swords and cloaks. And, you know, they go to protect all all these mice. And it's just such a fascinating story. Um, not to mention that, but also the art is gorgeous. 
Um, you know, I've read so many comics over the years, and this one in particular just continues to stand out to me. Um, it's very much like a, almost like a Disney movie, you know, with animals meets Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, you know, to where, you know, it has, you know, all these amazing aspects and it's not known very well. I mean, I've talked to a decent amount of people that will know it, but I've had so many conversations where I bring it up and people just have no idea about it. So what kind of audience is it targeted at? Is it an adult kind of thing or is it a kid's kind of thing or like, is it? Does it span a lot? Like what? It's, where's it? Target? It's very interesting that you bring that up because it's it's kind of touted as a kids or a young adult book, but there's a lot of instances in it where it does take a little bit more of a mature turn. Like nothing nothing intense. Like it's it's cool for all ages. Like I would highly recommend it to anyone. But there are very kind of chivalrous and very medieval aspects to it that make it just a unique story. And the whole time, you know, there's these very humanized characters in a location where there's no humans. Um, but the whole time, you know, you, ha- you have to remember that they're these adorable little mice. And I think that's like part of what it comes <laughs> down to is that it's just so cute and adorable. But then you read it and it has this amazing story. And so it's just this cool, you know, little hidden gem there that, that I personally love and I would recommend to literally anybody. Yeah. Um, I just got a, a copy for my dad, and I gave it to him, and he's he's actually liking it. Awesome! And so sweet. It's definitely a good resource for DMs and stuff too, because mm-hmm. like I, the little of Mouse Card that I have read through, like, I didn't get all the way through a lot of it because it was I had to stop and like go and write down ideas that it gave me for my oh yeah D and D games. It's like it's so creatively inspiring because mm-hmm. it's just an interesting concept. Plus yeah, the, that's great stuff to fill up the creative well with. Yeah, yes. we're always looking for that. So yeah, you know, and, and like you were saying, Seth, like the the story is awesome. The characters are great, and then the world that he's built is so just spot on. Yeah. Like he makes like little models to draw from, and he's just like made this entire universe. It's just so cool. So yeah, again, it's really well done. Yeah, check that out. Cool. Yeah, give it a shot. So, I'll have to take a look. Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. I'm sold. <laughs> great description um my pick i'm gonna do a tv show if you're ready to move forward uh mine is a it's a netflix original which uh you know some people might say hasn't really flown under the radar because they're generally picked as kind of i don't know they're they're highly regarded mm-hmm. uh but the show that i wanted to to point out was peaky blinders I don't know if you guys have seen that, but I've, I've seen the thumbnail. I've heard, I've heard of it before. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the, that's what I usually hear when I make this recommendation is that mm. I've seen people that are like, Oh, I scroll right past that Netflix all the time, but it's there. You get uh, the third, I believe it's the third season is coming out or the fourth season. Actually. Cool. It's coming out uh, soon in the next few weeks, but it's a, uh, it's a show about, it's kind of a crime drama, but it's really more of the drama than the crime drama. When I say that most people hear, uh, formulaic kind of like CSI criminal minds type story. This is completely the opposite. It's very story driven, but it's a, uh, about a gang family essentially called the Shelby's, uh, that sets up in Birmingham, England after world war one. So, uh, an officer who was tunneling in world war one comes back home to Birmingham and he, essentially tries to start up a business realize he doesn't have the capital for it or any of kind of the sway that he needs and resorts to crime with his family 
Um, but it jumps right into they have already been back for a while. They've already kind of set up their somewhat of a criminal underground. And uh, it's just wildly entertaining. It's uh, helmed by Killian Murphy, who if you're not familiar with the name, you'll know him by uh, maybe Scarecrow from um, Batman or... I don't know. He's he's been in a number of, of movies, but he's phenomenal as the lead role. Uh, Sam Neill's in it as his antagonist, who plays kind of the police chief in the area that has to shut down their their gang. But there's just so much going on that uh, the entire thing is driven by characters within this family. So you get familiar with Thomas Shelby, who is the main character, uh, Killian Murphy. And his personal interactions with each of his family members, but how they all kind of come together to accomplish this this goal of eventually establishing themselves in a legitimate business. But you find yourself by the end of the first season, maybe the second season, you're rooting essentially for like a sociopathic, kind of like homicidal mob boss. And you, you don't really know why. Interesting. And yeah, they throw in... Uh, antagonists like they'll throw in villain characters that really aren't necessarily villains but other kind of crime bosses or other um law enforcement officials like different characters uh tom hardy is and makes an appearance Um, so is it like is it a complete subversion so do we think of the gangsters and stuff as the good guys and the actual good guys as bad guys or is it like these cops that are portrayed as bad guys are like corrupted or like and and the the main character that we follow is kind of the good guy doing a bad thing uh i would say there's more gray areas in that it's not clear cut which is what makes it so good is that you have to make the decision for yourself so you i'm sure there are plenty of people online talking about you know how it's weird that you would be rooting for this criminal underground what you see behind the scenes with the Shelby family is they care about the same values that we all like hold near and dear. They, they would drop anything for their family members. They're always going to be protective of one another. Um, they, they care about children. They care about, you know, the next generation. That's why he, he, Thomas Shelby wants a legitimate business, but at the same time, he, he has his Heisenberg moments, you know, um, and, you know, at the, on the other end of the spectrum, when you look at the law enforcement officials, they have some skeletons in the closet yeah. and they, they surface throughout the, the course of the show. So you have to see these people that are doing something good, but also have this really dark side that uh, influences the very family that you're kind of struggling with. So when you see somebody that's supposed to be doing something good that, you know, has pretty poor values and they're stacked up against a family doing something bad with good values... How does that kind of interact? And it just makes for a very entertaining show. It's beautifully shot. The cinematography is fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. How, how long are the seasons and the, the episode lengths? Uh, if I, I can't remember off the top of my head. There's three three seasons that are out now. Um, and I think it's maybe ten episodes apiece. But each one is sort of like... 45 to an hour they're okay like the, the game of thrones model sure yeah they're a little bit longer they they feel more like a full movie okay um, but i i personally like that format of television the yeah best. I do too. it's kind of what sherlock did but mm-hmm. this is a little bit more stretched out uh than sherlock right instead of you mm-hmm. know three hour and a half episodes it's 
It's a yeah. full season of double that with minutes, shorter, yeah. like half as much, half yeah. as long episodes. Interesting. Well, like what you said when you started, like I'm sure people like have skimmed it. I mean, so many people have Netflix, so they've probably seen it before. But I love you know getting this deep dive, like. You know, there's only so much media we can consume. So it's yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, if I don't know exactly if I'm going to love it, then I might not watch it. But then to hear that, like, that sounds awesome. Exactly. I've skipped yeah. over Peaky yeah. Blinders a ton of times, but I'm definitely yeah. going to watch it now because that sounds really cool. And it I guess sounds better than yeah. it looked. Yeah. And I guess it's just one of those, like, you just didn't, maybe we just didn't see the right trailer or we didn't, like, necessarily know what the plot was. But to hear that, like, I want to watch that now. Yeah, yeah. It was one so. that I was, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by because I, it was one that I took a took a chance on. It seemed interesting. I really like crime dramas, even the formulaic ones, and uh, I wanted to kind of explore the story. I, I said I'll give it one episode, and I was sold within the first, like, five minutes because it looked so beautiful. And Ooh. I'm, you know, I'm a geek for the cinematography, yeah. but it was, it was just fantastic. And I recommended it to somebody uh, who immediately binged it and finished it in, like, three days. Jeez. And they were like, yeah, that was, I, I can't recommend that enough to everybody now. So I think it's kind of Yeah, I'm definitely checking perpetuating. that out. Now. Yeah. Cool. That, yeah, that's my pick. Uh, okay. We'll move on to mine then. Sweet. Yeah. What um, you got? Mine is a video game. It is a video game. The first actual full-length video game by a company that made a, like, 10-minute like little game experiment years ago that I absolutely fell in love with and that's Blendo Games. Blendo Games has made a game which is my pick called Quadrilateral Cowboy. Now, wow. This is a very interesting game. It's first person. Um it's a little bit on the shorter side. Um you know, you could play through it in like a good afternoon. It's not like a 15-hour epic or like a Skyrim. It's not like that. Um, it's a little bit on the shorter side, but it's going to be difficult to talk about it without spoilers because that's how video games are, (laughs) but you play just like a a computer hacker, uh, and you have to kind of wander around this like maze style environments, hacking doors open and hacking computer consoles and doing stuff like that. But the amazing part about it is the gameplay style and that is like it's very real in that like you actually have to like type in code and and do these hacks in a very not in like a full-blown way where you like it's daunting but in a very approachable way it's like a watered down version and because of that and the like comical narration and the weird wacky situations and the shader type and stuff it is this like incredibly fun and satisfying experience uh without like being surface level like you play some games that are completely surface level that are fun but don't go deeper this one approaches both of those lines so Um, how do the the hacks work is it kind of puzzle based or both so like sometimes it's puzzle based like like you might find in like the witness um sometimes it is like you find a computer and you just need to like type in a couple commands to open the door like it's it okay. it kind of straddles both lines but the good part is it almost holds your hand the whole way so you don't feel super out of your depth hacking something but it's not holding your hand so that it doesn't feel rewarding when you figure it out it still feels very rewarding once you figure out how to do it 
Right. So it's like the, it's a perfect middle line. It, it straddles that like helpful but not too helpful, challenging but not too challenging, funny but not relying on the comedy. Like it's the perfect middle ground. Yes. Yeah. And it's just short enough to like pick it up on a whim and just play it. It's not like you're not getting into this crazy long thing that takes forever to figure out and all this stuff. It's like it is the perfect like game to play. Where would you? And this is a PC game. Um, yes. You just you mm-hmm. pick up. From I'm not Steam sure if it's. Like yeah, you pick it up on Steam. I'm not sure if it's available on, you know, like the Xbox or PlayStation stores. Cross or console, like that. yeah. But I know it, it's on Steam, which is where I've played it. Um, cool. And it, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it has to be on Steam because. Most people don't hook a keyboard up to their consoles. Sure. <laughs> so it seems. I mean, based on the story elements that you've talked about so far, it would be a game that you would want to play on PC regardless. Yes. So you definitely do, and it uses the keyboard, which is like the important part of the, the game. That's um, cool, though, that, that it's tied in like into yeah. the story. So I would want to like you, based on your description. Even though I'm primarily almost entirely a console gamer, I would want to play that on PC. Yeah, so. yeah. And what's cool about Blendo is they released. Um, a very short like experiment years ago called uh, Gravity Bone which you can just download on their website and it's like this James Bond-esque thing but all the characters are just blocky and it's like if you don't want to pay for Quadrilateral Cowboy like you have to go download Gravity Bone and just try it it takes no computer power to run it so everybody can play it like it's it's a 10 or 15 minute experience that is like hold on that was 10 minutes that was <laughs> that was incredible like it's yeah Give it everything that they do you need to play pretty much is what i'm saying that's really cool especially because i'm looking you know I, I i have my computer up and i'm looking at it and it seems like such a fascinating concept yeah and i especially as i get older you know when i when i was younger you know i loved like all hack and slash and all these but I've gotten so much more into like indie puzzle games yeah, and especially kind of the first person simulator games almost just for some reason have hit me a lot stronger now. And I love it when games can do that and when they can really immerse you into something. And this one especially looks yeah, just a hundred percent like absolutely that. that. And it's also coupled with the comedy of portal and portal two, mm. which is like incredible to find any way you can. It's hard to find that. Yeah. yeah. So, definitely qualifies as a hidden gem (laughs) and it's not i don't want to like talk deeper about it because you'll start getting into spoiler territory really quickly Um, and it's a short game it doesn't have a lot of story so i don't want to spoil any aspect of it just play it yeah well okay so we're gonna do one more round of each Mm -hmm. of us picking uh, a different media type uh but i think we can make sure that all the like in the description we'll put all the links to the things that we've got uh, going on here, what we're the topics we're discussing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So it's me again. Um, I am actually going to do a board game. Um, I love board games. I, lately, I've been getting into them so much. And I guess it's playing a lot of D&D recently and having those groups where, you know, especially when it's just my wife and me, you know, there's not a lot of two-player games and a lot of them are more you know a lot of people and so it's like oh well you know do i want to try and get a group together in this and it's just been nice to have a lot you know more friends that are into that you know that we can actually do these things and so board games have played such a big part of our life recently 
Um, and there was one that I played recently that stuck out to me so much, and I honestly cannot wait until I get to play it again. Um, just like anybody that knows me knows that I love comic books, um, I am not a big fan of zombie genre stuff. Like, I, I, I don't mean to disparage anybody out there. <laughs> like, it's just, it's not my thing. Like, I'm not a huge zombie movie fan or this. It's, it, it's whatever. And again, I don't yeah. mean to bag on anyone. You know, that's just me personally. So when I'm recommending a game called Zombicide, Black Plague, you'll know <laughs> that for some reason it's really good. Then. Um, this was a game that one of our friends had, and you know we were over there at their house, and you know we were just looking at things. Oh, we could play this, this, or oh, we could play Zombicide. And at first, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, let's do that one. That's fine. Um, they pulled out. It's a thick box. It's a miniature strategy RPG game. Which is super awesome. What? I know, I know. <laughs> I have everyone kind of like How squinting does? at me like, what, what is this? So what you do is you pull out um, these board tiles. And so on the tiles is um, like a village. And you piece it together and you, you know, there's doorways out and there's different locations and basements that you can do. And what you are is you're a group of people that have to get rid of these zombies. And, you know, and not to dive too deep and, you know, just kind of, you know, keep everyone super interested in this. But it, it, it is very cool because I think one of the big things that I don't like is that all zombie things are always, like, post-apocalyptic or this or this. Um, this game, Zombicide Black Plague, is set in medieval times. Oh. <laughs> so it's a zombie story that's basically in a D&D &D adventure. So like, so, like, the plague takes the, over. The plague turns yeah. people into zombies instead of just killing them. Yeah. Interesting. So it, it, it was really cool because when I realized that, I was like, okay, that's an interesting concept that isn't really done. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that like, D&D, &D, there's, like, necromancers and stuff like that. But to straight up have, like, zombies, like, hordes of zombies coming through was so cool. So Especially what? when you could, like, dispatch them with like a fireball and like those this. are the best zombie how, stories how's it played is it like dnd &D where there's like dice and character sheets and stuff yeah so you have uh it's like a little plaque almost to where you know you can insert cards like the character that you are and like what equipment you have in your hands okay and you know you can get torches you can get this and you know you have counters as to like how much health you have and you have these little miniatures and you literally just go across and you know you have a certain amount of you know movement tiles that you can do and it, it was just such a fascinating game because it had this element of every game could be completely different. You know, in one, you know, you could put a setup of a town, and in the next one, you could do something absolutely different. I like it was games just cool, like that. yeah. And I, I don't know why, for some reason, as I was playing it, like, you know, there's that, you know, slight learning curve to something, but the minute I started to get it, we just were rolling with it. And it was one of those, it was. I mean, I'm not going to say it was super difficult to get into. There is a little bit of a curve to learn, but once you get it, it was a, an absolute blast. I think any game, that, any board game, yeah. That, yeah. any kind of uh, any strategic element is going to have that kind of moment yeah. of you've got to take some time to figure this out. And the or just play it one time and everybody knows this is a practice round. Yeah. How, how long do the games usually last? Um, it usually lasts about an hour. I mean, with like four people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm looking on here. You can play, and the cool thing is, you can also play one player. <laughs> um, huh, what? But you can play like one how? to six players, and there was like how? all these different characters that you could how use. How do you play alone? That's really cool. I, I know, right? I, I find so many interesting games where, you know, you can do that. Wow. But 
Um, that it was just that's the coolest thing. I mean, like I'm yeah. I can I can get behind the vo- the zombie thing, but that's that's insane. Yeah, uh, you can. And I think I'm more I am now more interested in how the rules are set up to let you play alone in a board game. That's that is a testament to how amazing the rule set is that yeah. you can do it alone. We, you don't we had people. it to it was it was my wife and me and then another married couple. Um, so there's six different characters that you can play as and we each took two of them. Um, just to kind of patent it out and you know, so we could have a little bit more playtime and everything, but I think the thing that hit me so much for it was, you know, A, the medieval setting is like fantasy Dungeons and Dragons for me is always awesome. And to have that interesting turn, but then, you know, to have the miniatures out there, to have it feel truly like a role playing game, you know, you have these different characters that have, you know, better stats or less better stats here, but then better here. It was just so cool. Um, And the gameplay was so fluid. It was interesting. Um, and it just kind of rejuvenated this genre that I wasn't a big fan of, but then would have no problem playing this ever again. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, speaking of that, and here's a maybe bonus hidden gem, but in terms of zombies, the best way I've seen it done so far or recently anyway, was uh, th- this alternate history, same kind of concept, mm-hmm. medieval. Uh, I read a book called Bone Shaker by Cherry Priest recently, which was a kind of alternate history after Civil War. Um, zombies uh, but it's a steampunk also and, but the whole story is about a mother and her son mm-hmm. in kind of in a I don't, I don't want to spoil anything but essentially the son goes in to kind of clear up the family name and she has to go and rescue the son Interesting. and it's nice. zombies in Seattle uh, just after during the Civil War but the Civil War has been elongated so it's alternate history with zombies huh. steampunk see that that's Very pretty cool right there yeah. Yeah. what was it called again it's called Bone Shaker Bone by Shaker. Sherry Priest Bone it's a one off yeah. yeah it's a pretty uh, pretty good audiobook also which is awesome yeah look at all these hidden gems everywhere check it out <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, okay yeah, so I'll let you guys course. decide um, I'm split between two right now I can do one uh, it's gonna be a movie I'm just gonna do uh, either drama or like adventure drama or um, documentary. So, let's, what does your what does your drag. heart tell you? My heart tells me I want to tell you all of the hidden gems. <laughs> so, like I just snuck one in on Jeffrey's turn, so I don't want to do that again. Just give me one. Do the documentary. Yeah, documentary. Yeah, documentary. Okay. Documentary actually. Uh, so yeah, back on what I might. I don't think they, it's still on Netflix, but it might be. Uh, there's one there called I Know That Voice, which I think is applicable to our podcast. But I know that voice is about uh, voice actors. Um, oh. It's an entire documentary uh, with just basically everybody that you re- would recognize um, from the voice acting world. They get, they get uh, little snippets from Mark Hamill. They get little Whoa. snippets from um, basically anybody that has played a recognizable character, Rocky and Bullwinkle, uh, uh, Powderpuff Girls, uh, uh, Bender, you know, um, everyone. Cool. So, and the and the entire thing is, what is the voice acting industry all about, and kind of how do they form these characters? When you know you've got to be in a booth all day, and yeah. and consistent with it every time that you do this. How do you make a character that's recognizable and kind of people can make a connection with? Based that's off of fascinating. The I've always been wondered, like I've always wondered about that kind of thing. It's like, how do they stay con- so consistent in like a booth? It's that's 
Yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch that. Looking, it, looking online, it looks like you can buy it on iTunes or Amazon Video. I don't, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. I'm also looking at all the people in this, and it's like jaw dropping, like all the yeah. people they were able to get. To... Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm yeah. definitely checking. You wow. definitely recognize people like Tara Strong um, or Billy West, but um, yeah, the yeah. main guy, I think the guy that put it together was uh, John DiMaggio, mm-hmm. who is is huge. He's he voiced Bender. He voiced. Um, Jake, Marcus Phoenix Jake from the dog. Marcus uh, Phoenix, yeah, Jake the dog. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a big, big voice actor. One of the penguins in Madagascar. He's he's been all over the place. But I uh, I love that. I've never heard of this, which is why I'm so excited. But kind of a nerdy thing. Like whenever like a cool video game is out, like I will go on YouTube and I'll be like behind the scenes voice acting sometimes. Where yeah. it's like it's so cool to see yeah, it done. It really is, and that's why I think. Rick and Morty does a lot of behind the scenes of them in the mm-hmm. in the booth, and like that's it's just fascinating to see. I'm I'm super excited about yeah, this I, documentary I actually, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's enlightening too because the the anecdotes that they get it's all storytelling, and they'll kind of like harken back to who were their influences in voice acting. Cool. Most of them will mention somebody like uh, Mel Blanc or you know yeah, your the old big school guys. Yeah, yeah. guys, but. Yeah, and then it, what's cool is they'll also reference each other, you know, because we'll be like, oh, John DiMaggio and he, Jake in Adventure Time, or, you know, Bender That's was just awesome, nuts, man. or they'd give you the story of how they cast Bender, or what? Um, Seth Green, I think, has a little snippet in there about how he got the role for Chris. Um, I'm absolutely watching this Yeah, it's tonight. pretty good. That sounds spectacular. Wow. I, I think we'll leave it at that. I don't have much more to say about it. Just definitely go check it out. It's It's an awesome documentary. That's what's cool about a lot of these is like we'll describe it and it's like, what else do you That's need it, to know? Man. This is awesome. Like, sold. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> sold. Let's, yeah, let's cruise on. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, I'll take over the last spot, right? Uh, as with a book. Sweet. I'll, um, I I pulled it down from my shelf because I'm in love with this book, and uh, it is titled "The Unincorporated Man." It's written by uh, Danny and Eaton Collin. Uh, I'd never heard of these authors before. Yeah. This book, and I like I don't know any of their other work. I know that this has a sequel or two, but The Unincorporated Man is basically... Okay, I'll give you an elevator pitch. It's, it's science fiction. On the borderline of hard sci-fi, it's, it kind of butts up right up against that genre. Um, so basically, it's about a guy... Um, he's a billionaire in, you know, nowadays, like 2020s, I think. Uh, finds out he's got a disease, cryogenically freezes himself, puts himself in a, uh, like this huge stone sarcophagus, kind of, with his cryogenics, buries himself in a mountain. Um, you know, a hundred years or 200 years goes by. It's not overtly clear. It just says, like, in the not-so-distant future. Yeah, it's, like, it's about 100 to 200 years. Um, A company discovers him. In this mountain, he gets brought back to life and realizes that everybody in the world, they have moved from a business is an incorporated entity and people are doing their things to everything is incorporated. The people are the incorporated things now. So mm. companies will invest in you based on, you know, intelligence or whatever. And they will, like, fund your education in this area. And, like, 
move you along in a career based on like what they want to pay for so everybody is incorporated and um basically you just work for this company who paid for your education and your living and all that stuff until you can afford to buy 51 percent of your own stock and then you can do whatever you want um and what's it's super it's a very interesting world and he wakes up as the only person left that's not incorporated so he has this like crazy amount of like freedom and notoriety and also is entombed because he can't do anything because he doesn't have stock he like he can't buy cars he can't he can't like function Function, in society but he's also like this mega celebrity with all this wealth so it's like this weird juxtaposition of Mm. being above everything but also not able to participate it's extremely interesting um really well thought out and really well developed world and it seems like a really unique idea. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I feel like as a society, we're, we're moving both toward that and away from it simultaneously mm-hmm. with like influencers because everything now is becoming privatized. But at the same time, you can see with kind of like if you look at YouTube, it kind of seems like this. A, that's a really entertaining story. Idea. And it's a very it's not only is it good sci fi, but it's also really good social commentary at the same time, which science fiction tends to be. Mm-hmm. But it's social commentary from a very unique perspective and sci-fi is social commentary is like hit or miss yeah that's true yeah. um it it's very interesting it was one of those that uh i couldn't put down um so cool. yeah looking forward to it yeah i generally i'm not even generally always take your book recommendations so <laughs> they've been fantastic so far yeah so. this is one um yeah it's interesting. It's Start not to check it out. Yeah, I the unincorporated man. Unincorporated man, and it has a sequel, um, the unincorporated war, which, in my opinion, is not nearly as interesting. Okay. Well, I I know how difficult it could be to to write a book with another person. Yeah. Even coming up with short story ideas with like one other person is incredibly difficult. Yeah. And this one, it, I was shocked to see that it had a sequel because it is a self-contained story. It doesn't like. Hmm. It's not like a trilogy where like you end the book partway through the story. It does, it it wraps up. Everything's like at a place that the story could be finished. I think that's like a recommendation or not a recommendation. It's a requirement now, rather for publishers, is that your really? your first novel in a in a series has to stand alone. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I, mean, I you look I don't at, like that. I don't I don't either. Uh, just because I really enjoy series and considering how many people like things like Game of Thrones and Harry Potter and things like that you'd imagine that they'd put a little bit more faith in the ability of an author to kind of carry that story. Yeah. But if you also take a look at pretty standard trilogies, your first book acts as a complete three act structure, but it also holistically acts as the act Act one. one. Yeah. So, you know, red rising for instance, uh, which we definitely need to talk about in in an episode, especially before Howlerfest. Yeah. Which is in January. January. Okay. Yeah. So take a look at that, for instance. The first one acts as its own book, but you can tell right at the end, it's like, this is going to be mm-hmm. a trilogy, if not more. And it turned out to be both. So, yeah. So, Unincorporated Man, check it out. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if it's an audiobook, but it's a good paperback to pick up. Awesome. Cool. Um, yeah. With that, uh, Let's let's wrap this up. I I want to point out that uh, we'll start doing these hidden gems more often, possibly even at the end of episodes if we've got you know 
one hidden gem we want to toss out and be like check this thing out it's awesome a lot of people don't know about it and then we'll kind of pepper those in wherever yeah maybe if we just if we have one we'll just toss it in at the end you know like you guys have a hidden gem this week maybe we all will and then we'll uh, maybe we'll make an episode yeah really quick (laughs) i mean especially like we've talked about there's so much media out there yes and we go through you know we talk about movies we talk about games and books and comics and all these things and there's so much out there that you know you, you can't get to everything exactly so i mean hey if if you like what we're doing here, if you like the recommendations that we've given you, like, you know, there's there's always great things out there. Yeah, and, and if I mean, you want to hop in and give us some recommendations, like, I'm always looking for new science fiction. I was literally about to say, like, send us <laughs> hidden yeah. gems. Like, we yeah, would love to, to learn and Hashtag know. hidden gems. Yeah, find us on, on social media. We're there. We're on all of your standard platforms. Uh, and give us some recommendations. We'll, we'll share it up, start a conversation. Let's get talking about these hidden gems it's the only way we we can kind of like see the the coolest story that's out there yeah exactly um with that guys um i'd like to give a shout out to our musical intro it's written by andrew apple pie check him out on youtube on soundcloud he's uh amazing let us use the intro yeah really good stuff hey guys i i I do have a question though like before we wrap up like yes it's been on my mind lately okay if a group of larger ants and a group of shorter ants were fighting over a chunk of cheese uh, and the shorter ants lost, would that mean we would have lactose intolerant ants? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Hashtag oh, bad dad joke, everyone. No, it's pretty bad. good. It's, it's pretty good. No, no. <laughs> don't encourage him. It's I'm getting sold more and more every week. It's like, it's going to get worse and worse, everyone. We now return you to your regularly scheduled boredom.